What's up, everybody? Welcome to Three Wide in the Middle with me, Thomas Brandon, and my man Keith Bradley. Back this week, Keith. How's it going? What's going on? Not I've, much. I've power. I there we power. go. That's good. That's good. Yeah, we're missing you last week, man. Better knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, missing you last week. I didn't. I didn't know. I, you know, in the podcast, I was like, "Well, Keith's not here. I'm not sure what's going on, but he's not going to make it today." So I didn't know what was going on. I was. I was hoping. I was like, "God, I hope everything's okay." Power um, was out. My yeah. dumbass forgot to charge my phone. <laughs> Dude, I do that all uh, the time. So yeah, no, no biggie, man. So good to have you back this week. And we were just talking. You won't be here next week because nope. So, uh, next Thursday, 6 a.m., my wife is going to be induced. So, we'll be bringing home a new baby girl probably Friday another or Saturday. Another little one. Another little one. Congratulations. Yeah. Man. You got a name for her yet? Yes, her name's Bristol. That's awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. I actually I really, I really like that name. I actually... It's unique. Um, yeah, it is. And I do I know of somebody who's named Bristol, another girl who's named Bristol. Um, I actually uh met her up in Washington. She was a friend of I have a ton of family up there. She was a friend of like one of my cousins up there. And her name was Bristol. So I always thought that name was really cool. It's not a name that you hear a lot. So I like that, man. That's no, cool. No. Nope. <laughs> I like it. My wife chose it chose it, so that's what we're Even gonna Even better, man. Even better. Yeah. I remember so quick story before we get into everything, because we got it. We got a heavy NASCAR day today, and uh, me and Keith, me and Keith, are, we got a got a lot of a lot of ranting and raving to do. And so before we dive into the negative stuff, I got to tell the story about names real quick. So when my wife was pregnant with my with our son, she we were trying to figure out a name, and um, we couldn't. We just like couldn't really decide on it, and everything that she was coming up with was I was just like I was just not having it I'm like babe no I'm sorry we're we're just we're not gonna do that and um you know because she wanted it to be a biblical name which I'm I was perfectly fine with but you know the names that she was coming up with were like you know Isael, Ephraim like all these different names you know and and she's she's using obviously the uh, you know, because she's from Mexico, her first language is Spanish, so she's using the Spanish pronunciation of the names. And I'm like, no, I, I no, uh-uh. I'm like, I'm all for biblical names. You know, my name is a biblical name. Like, I'm, I'm for that. But we, no, uh-uh. And so, she tells me one day, and we're getting close. You know, we got like two months to go, and she's like, so we're gonna. I'm like, well, what, what are we doing for the name? And she said, we're gonna. She's like, I like the name Zach. I go. Zach. Okay. Well, I'm like, I got, I said, one of my best friend's name is Zach. I, I like that name. And so I had been telling my family that we were going to name my son Zach. And so it's like two weeks to go week to go before my wife is due. And we're out at the store and we're getting like a crib or something like that. And it's me, Sonia, my, my wife, and then her sister, Jesse. And I said something about Zach and Jesse goes, Who's Zach? And I go, The baby. She's like, Zach, I thought she's like, I thought you were gonna name him Isaac. And my wife goes, Yeah. And I and I looked at both of them, I'm like, What the hell is an Isaac? Like, what the hell is that? And she's like, 
Isak, that's the name I told that I said, Isak. I go, I thought you said Zach. I've been telling my whole family we're going to name him Zach. And I go, what is an Isak? And Jesse goes, that's the Spanish pronunciation for Isaac. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's better. So yeah, I was uh, been telling my whole family for months that we we're going to name him Zach. And my wife wanted it to be Isak. And <laughs> we call him Isaac. So so yeah, names, <laughs> names can uh, sometimes be... Uh, can be up in the air. So Bristol, I like it. Definitely, definitely a good choice on, on your girl's part. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, all right. Well, like I said, everybody, we got uh, a ton of stuff to cover today. And um, before we get into a, a number of different topics in our next segment, Hit or Miss, we've got to cover um, something in today's Open. And um, for those of you who've been following the NASCAR news, which there is a ton of it right now, one of the big things that came out this last week was NASCAR's response to the RTA's proposal. Now, for those of you guys who don't know, the RTA is the Race Team Alliance. So think of that. It's basically the, uh, the, the race teams, okay? And they have essentially aligned on this, and they are... Um, trying to work out a deal with NASCAR in terms of the revenue split. Now, the TV deal is not up until 2024. So they've got some time on this still, but they want to make sure that they've got things like this ironed out before they negotiate the new TV deal. Now, just to give you guys a little bit of context, okay, the current TV deal right now is... $8.2 billion. Okay. And that was a that that was essentially a like a 10-year deal. So I think it was 2015 to 2024. Okay. And if you look at that based on inflation and stuff like that right now, which we know is out of control, um, especially if you're like me living in California, um, the next deal, just to stay kind of on par, is going to need to be somewhere between 10 to $13 billion, all right? Now, the current revenue split that the teams have with NASCAR, because this is something that you have to understand is that unlike most sports, right? If you look at the NFL, for example, the NFL, if you look at the TV, the TV revenue, you essentially have two sides. Okay. You've got the owners, right? The, the guys who own the team, and then you've got the players, right? Like that's essentially the revenue split. And the, the, the players get their money through the salaries. So as the uh, revenues increase for the players, essentially what happens is, is the salary cap increases, okay? This is the way that they do it. And there's obviously, for those of you out there who are very hardcore into all this stuff, I know there's a whole lot more to it. I'm just trying to make it as simple and, and as easy as possible to understand. So with NASCAR, there's actually a three-way split, and this is where it can get kind of complex and why it's also much more of a headache. So the current revenue split right now for the, the when we're talking about the, the, the TV money, okay, you're looking at 65% goes to the tracks, 25% to the teams, and 10% goes to NASCAR. Now, that is a little bit of a of a 
that's a little bit misleading, okay? Because NASCAR, you know, owns the ISC, which owns a bunch of tracks, right, that NASCAR races at. And so NASCAR actually gets about half of that 65% split that goes to the tracks, okay? When you talk about the track owners, you essentially have like a couple of really big groups that own a huge majority of the tracks. And then you've obviously got a couple of, you know, single track owners, stuff like that. But for the most part, you're looking at a couple of big groups. One of those groups is NASCAR. So they're getting much more than just that 10%. They get a lot of that through the tracks. Okay. And so the RTA is essentially wanting a much bigger piece of the pie. And the reason for this is because they cannot rely on sponsorship the way that they have for the entire time that there has been NASCAR. All right. And this is, this is because of a multitude of reasons. Now, for those of you who, you know, I've talked about this before, if you follow me on, on, the, you know, YouTube, see my videos or, you know, anything that I've ever done before, you guys know that I have spent more than a decade now in online marketing and sales and stuff like that. The days of slapping your, your name, right? Your company on a NASCAR and seeing a big return or is gone. Those days are gone. They've in fact been gone. Because here's the deal. Let's just take M&Ms, for example, right? And let's just use a number that I've heard thrown out there in terms of primary sponsors at like the bigger teams, right? So you're talking the, the Hendricks, you know, Roush, Stuart Haas, Gibbs, that type of thing. You're essentially looking at somewhere between two dollars and $300,000 per race to be a, like a primary sponsorship on a car, all right? When you do the math, right, you start looking at that based over the course of a 30 what 34 race schedule you're looking at nine ten million dollars a year right obviously give or take there could be more there could be less now if you're putting if you're spending 10 million dollars to sponsor a nascar team right your return on that needs to be greater than ten dollars in fact it needs to be a lot greater than 10 million dollars when you start looking at things like overhead right taxes and those types of you know those types of things so when you see a company like Mars, right, M&Ms pull out, that should tell you something. And the reason why that should tell you something is because Mars, M&M, right, they can go to somebody like me and they can give someone like myself way less than $10 million and I can get those ads in front of 10 times as many people than they can on a NASCAR. It's just a fact right? It's just a, a flat out fact. Okay. I don't care what, what, uh, NASCAR team is the sponsor is on. It does not matter. Napa, Mountain Dew, National Guard, you name it, right? There is a, there's millions of marketers out there. And they don't even have to be very good who can get those brands in front of far more people at a fraction of a price. And that has to do with where we're at today when it comes to social media and things like that. Not to mention, people are not sitting down and watching television like they used to. This is why we've seen such a big push towards the different types of advertising that you see, whether it's social media, YouTube 
Facebook, Instagram, that type of thing. We're seeing a lot more of these brand ambassadors and stuff like that because these companies have figured out that, hey, I can give this guy who does YouTube videos and his videos are seen by 5 million people. I can give him 20 grand and have this seen by 5 million people or I could spend 10 times that much, right, for a billboard at a sports arena, okay? Which one do you think is going to have a greater effect? So the way that business is just done in terms of marketing and sales. And keep in mind, I don't care what business you are in. You are in the marketing and sales business. That's all there is to it. It doesn't matter if you are selling toothpaste, if you are a business coach, life insurance, or you make, you know, coffins. It does not matter. You are in the marketing and sales business because if you do not have people coming and paying for that product or service, you're not in business. And the entire way of doing business has changed. And because of that, NASCAR has to change. They just have to. You, They cannot rely on sponsors to pick up 80% of the bill the way that they have 90% of the bill. They just can't do it no more. It's not a sustainable business model. It has to change. And this is what the RTA is saying to NASCAR. Now, NASCAR came back because the RTA presented basically, hey, look, 93% of the revenue right now is going to NASCAR on the tracks and we're only getting about 7%. NASCAR came back and said, look, this is misleading. The teams are evaluating that 7% essentially on the value of the charters. Um, I understand that. That is misleading for the teams to say that they are valued at more than what just their charter is worth. But here's the deal. It's not much more. All right. That's the thing. It's not a whole. It's not a, a ton more. You know, if you look at, let's say, the top teams right now, like you look at a Hendrick Motorsports with, you know, a four, you're talking four cars and four of the best drivers, the best equipment, right? The best facilities. It's the top of the line everywhere. That team, right? I mean, when you look at what it's worth, even with the charters, and let's say you're you're fetching a premium for each one of those charters, right? Which is $30 million a charter right now. I mean, multiply that four, that's $120 million. Factor everything else together. What are you talking about, right? Are you talking about a, a billion dollars at the at the highest end, a billion dollars, right? And look at the manpower and stuff like that. Look at the travel expenses, the logistics. So you cannot have it. You cannot have these teams just running on sponsorship dollars. Can't work no more. And the NASCAR came back with the counter offer and Jeff Gordon is like, yeah, we are way far apart. Now, a couple of things on this. Number one, that's to be expected. Any negotiation, that's the way that it is. Keith, I'm sure you've been in negotiations before, right? When somebody, you know, you're negotiating with, you don't come out and just say, all right, here's the bottom basement thing that I'm willing to take. You're always going to shoot high because that's what you do. One side shoots high, the other side shoots low. You hope to meet somewhere in the middle. Am I right, Keith? Oh, by uh, 100%. Yeah, so that's to be expected. Now, from the way that it sounds, though, and what really got me fired up about this was not only the fact that NASCAR came in low, but then they also came in with the, you guys need to look at cutting costs more. And that, to me, is kind of a slap in the face. Keep in mind, NASCAR is already, the, the teams have already cut costs, 
right? They laid off a ton of work. You look at the, uh, the these teams, the amount of workforce that was let go when they went to this new car because they just don't need them anymore, right? You don't need all the fabricators and welders. You don't need all the body men and stuff like that because you're buying parts. You're essentially buying parts. You're putting together a puzzle as opposed to building a car. Okay, so you don't need all those employees. They've already let go of a lot. For NASCAR to come back and be like, hey, look, you guys need to cut more costs is kind of a bullshit move, in my opinion. It really is. On top of that, for NASCAR to just to lowball them as much as they did, I also think that is kind of a slap in the face because to me, it shows that either A, you're the world's worst negotiator, right? Because they're, keep in mind, it's one thing to come in low. It's another thing to be insulting, right? So somebody brings me a, a car that they want to sell, okay? Let's say, and, and it's, a you know, the blue book value on it, let's just say is, is $5,000, right? But the guy, he needs to get rid of it. He wants, he wants to, he wants to, you know, get some money. He can get rid of it quickly, right? Needs the cash now. I'm not going to go to be like, yeah, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. That's a slap in the face. That's a douchebag move. Okay. So there's a difference between coming in low and then also insulting the, the, the other party. And I think that's kind of what NASCAR did here. And the fact of the matter is, is that what happens with this revenue split is going to determine what happens with NASCAR over the course of the next 10 to 20 years. It really is. You got to understand, when you look at the teams that are wanting to make a move into NASCAR, take a Dale Earnhardt Jr., right? Junior Motorsports, they that's on the back burner now. You're not going to spend 25 to $30 million on a charter if you don't see the income increasing in the future. You're just not going to because you have to get a return on that investment. Okay? You have to. All right? Otherwise, you're not a business. You're a hobby that costs millions of dollars. And make no mistake, every one of these teams are in, yes, they love racing and they enjoy what they do, but they are in the business of making a profit because if they don't, then they can't operate. And that's really, really important. So NASCAR's going to figure this out, hopefully. And hopefully they give these teams a much bigger piece of the pie. Because in my opinion, the tracks don't need 65%. What are they doing with it? Right? At the end of the day, what are they doing with it? I mean, are we seeing massive improvements to the facilities? Me and Keith both, you know, ranted a couple months ago about these tracks that don't even have freaking Wi-Fi. Right? So what, what are you doing with your money? Where's it going, right? And we got the tracks with, with shit surfaces that race like crap, horrible facilities, and I, what, they need to get a bigger piece of the pie? No, it needs to go to the teams because here's the deal. Nobody goes to a NASCAR race going, man, whew, can't wait to see Bristol in action. No, you go to the racetrack going, man, I can't wait to see these guys race. Yes, it might be cool to see them race at a Bristol over a Fontana, but the the draw is the main draw is the drivers. It's the teams, all right. Because at the end of the day, you could take the NASCAR guys and go 
send them out to the Nashville Fairgrounds or some other track that is, you know, that's not even used by the Cup Series. And I can promise you, people will watch it because it's the NASCAR drivers. So hopefully NASCAR pulls their heads out. They, they, they come to a deal on this and hopefully it's something that can sustain these teams because these guys cannot keep operating the way that they are. It's the cost of it is getting too, it's just becoming too much. When you see these teams taking on more and more partners, because look, they just flat out can't afford it. They just can't afford it, you know, and it's, it's showing the vulnerabilities in the sustainability of NASCAR moving forward. And if they don't make some big changes, especially when it comes to this revenue split, there's going to be a lot of problems. So Keith, do you got any thoughts on that? I know I covered a ton just, there, but I, I feel the same way. Like I feel like they need to share some of the pie to the teams. Yes, because, I do. Too. I mean, let's face it. If you're a smaller budget team, you're barely staying afloat, and when it makes more sense to run, you got a four car team, and it makes more sense to run four cars because it's more affordable. Mm-hmm. There's a problem, and I, I don't think it's going to end up ending well. I really don't. I mean, we we see how they're treating this next gen car right now. Yeah, it, they're not playing. They're not taking driver safety pretty, very serious at all right now. So I I just, I don't think it's going to end well. I hope it does because I think the teams need more because you're going to ask them to travel across the country. Mm -hmm. They, they, they just deserve more. Yes. I mean, we see the prices going up and then to hear, well, you guys need to cut, cut back on things. Well, what the fuck else do you want them to cut back on? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Everything else is third party now. The whole car is third party. They've already cut back employees. I mean, we've seen the likes of Stuart Haas, Hendrick, and Gibbs go from having upwards to a thousand employees to maybe five hundred, yep. if that. If that. Yep. It's so, it's been the cuts have been massive, and I think I think there'd be more money saved if we would use our brain, if NASCAR would use their brain when they're making these schedules. And sending them out west, just do a do a West Coast series. Knock all the races out there, then come to the Midwest, then East Coast instead of, well, the last three of the last four races we're gonna go to Vegas, then we're gonna go to Miami, then we're gonna go to Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, that makes zero sense. Sending them back and forth across the country. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, you see, you see the outlaws do that where they've got their West Coast swing. That makes sense. Right. They do two a year. They do one at the beginning of the year and they do one at the end of the year. Right. It makes sense that if you're going to go out west, let's hit it all. Um, obviously, NASCAR's a little bit different because you're talking about, you know, one race and it's on Sundays where the outlaws, you know, they'll run Thursday, Friday, Saturday or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like they, yeah, they run more nights of the week, but still, nevertheless, the way that yeah. they do it is much smarter. Right. When it comes to lo- the logistics of it, NASCAR could definitely well, I mean, implement something like that. He- you can even look at the Xfinity schedule. They send them to Portland, and this year, they send them to Portland, and then they come back, and they're on the East Coast. Yeah. Yep. For a one-off race. I mean, mm-hmm. how much sense does that make? It makes none. At least when next year's schedule, they're staying on the West Coast for the Xfinity teams, so that way they don't have to drive all the way back to the East Coast. 
I mean, some of the shit they do is so ass backwards. It is. It is. And, you know, the it, it follows in the same guideline as their, the penalties they hand out. Yes. They're so damn inconsistent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're going to get to that and we'll get to that in, in, in hit or miss because, yeah, we got a bunch of talk about on that. So, yeah, they, I, I'm with you, man. I wish they would be, um, you know, I talked about this last week when it comes to the things that they do. Like when we look at the car, they, they, they are, they, they, they go to extremes. And then a lot of times it ends up being a miss as opposed to, you know, let's, let's look at it in terms of increments, right? Did we need to go to the 180 degree opposite of the last generation car, right? Did we need yeah. to look at the gen six and go, what is the exact opposite we can do for everything? Ah, let's do that. Right. Well, Did we need to do that? Do we need to do that with the schedule where it's like, Hey, how many times can we cross country? Well, let's do that. Right. So I'm with right. you. They need to just make I- some better decisions with that, with that stuff. I think with the TV deal too, also, I think they need to do something very similar to the NFL. I mean, all the teams get pretty similar TV money Mm -hmm. and then they all get revenue from either it's ticket sales, merchandise. Yes. Like if the Bengals sell X amount of jerseys, I didn't know this till this year that other teams benefit off other teams selling merchandise. Yes. It's all a collective group. Yep. And I feel like NASCAR could take a page out of the NFL's book and do what they're doing. Yep. When college football teams are making more money off of TV deals than NASCAR teams, that's a problem. It's a very big problem. That's a big, big problem. Because I can tell you right now, it costs way more to run a NASCAR team than it does a college football team. Way more. I was was talking to a, a new friend. We were talking off air about some things coming up and he's a truck driver for front row. He's Michael McDowell's truck driver. They stopped and got fuel and it was almost, it was almost $1,500. Oh yeah. And, and that's, that's just one stop (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they stop maybe twice, maybe three times. I mean, these teams are spending a lot of money up and down the road. So, so yeah, know. it'll be something to monitor. I'm not going to hold my breath on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, because it does not sound promising. It really I doesn't. Know. I, and I'm hoping they work it out. You know, um, like we talked about, I talked about this last year when, when, when I first started this podcast, you know, I had pretty much been, you know, done with NASCAR. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they had pretty much lost me. Um, you know, the, it had kind of got to the final straw with, with the, where they were with the racing and the whole low horsepower and all the other bullshit. And I was just like, this sucks. And, you know, I got back into it, um, because of sim racing and the next gen car came out and, you know, the racing had been pretty good and promising. And it's just, you know, I don't want to see them start regressing back to, to the, to the crap that drove you know, people like myself away. So hopefully they'll get this figured out. Um, they still have time. Right? Like I talked about, you know, TV deal is not up till 2024. Obviously they want to have something done before then, but you know, the next I'm, I'm thinking the next, you know, six, six months is what we're going to see, um, the most movement on this. So hopefully they'll get it done and yeah, everything will be good moving forward. But We're going to take a break, but after that, we're going to be back with Hit or Miss, and we've got a ton to cover in that. So 
Don't go anywhere. All right, everybody. It is time for me and Keith's favorite portion of the show. Um, yeah, last, favorite part. <laughs> last week it was uh, it was a little tough by myself, but I did have some fun. Now, last week, not to gloat, I don't know if you listened to the podcast last week, but last week I did say I thought Christopher Bell had a shot at winning the race and racing his way into the final eight. He did. Uh, me and Keith are going to actually pick our final four after hit or miss. So stick around for that. But before we do that, we've got a ton of stuff to cover here. We've got like six or seven topics to, that we got to knock out here. So Keith, first up on the list for hit or miss is the uh, NASCAR had a meeting with the drivers. They did some crash data, ran some tests on the next gen car, specifically on the rear end, right? So backing into the wall, because this is where we're seeing a lot of the concussion problems. The data shows that the Gen 7 car is still not as safe as the Gen 6 car, which is proof that NASCAR has been less than honest about the safety of this car so far this season. Keith, hit or miss? Oh, I think it I think it hits the hits the mark. I yeah. think I think they released this car entirely way too soon. Mm -hmm. Way too soon. I part of me wishes that they would just say, look. We're going back to the old car so we can figure out what's going on with this new car because drivers were concerned the first time they did the crash testing with these cars. Yes. They voiced their concerns. NASCAR ignored it. Yep. So it's either A, get your head out of your ass, or B, we're going to have another Dale Sr. moment on our hands and it's not going to be good. Yes. And I hate saying that because I don't like deaths in motorsports. I don't like it at all. Me neither. I don't care if it's at the top of the, the level or the bottom. Yep. I'm they got to get it fixed. I mean, when drivers come out of that meeting and they're even more mad, it's not good. It's not good at all. No, and, it's not. And when it's more dangerous backing the car into the wall than it is hitting head on, you know you have a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, I, I understand, I, you know, part of me understands a little bit where, where NASCAR is coming from when they talk about the safety of this car. I get it. You know, this car was designed to really withstand those, you know, the catastrophic accidents, right? Where we're talking about the, you know, Ryan Newman at, you know, Daytona, right? Like that type of accident, Tony Stewart at Daytona, or, you know, even like a Dale Earnhardt at Talladega back in the day, right? Where you're talking about these massive accidents where they're not only barrel rolling, but they're getting hit in the windshield and in the side while they're flipping. Like I, I understand that and that's fine. My biggest issue with this, like you said, has been that NASCAR has treated the drivers almost like a, a bunch of annoying kids, right? Where you've got these guys who are coming out and it's not, it's not like these guys are rookies, right? It's the Denny Hamlins and the Kevin Harvicks and the guys that have been around, you know, that are saying, hey, man, I take a hit in this thing and it's the hardest hit I've ever experienced. And I was not anywhere near the speed that I have been in this other car. And then for NASCAR, you know, what do they say? Oh, well, the speeds are different. Or, oh, it's different angles, right? Like they they play it off. And that was always my problem with it. When you have these many, with that many drivers saying it. And then when you started seeing stuff like Kurt Busch, right? Bubba Wallace getting the wind knocked out of him when he gets bump drafted. drafted. Yeah, you know, now with Alex Bowman. So 
I, I'm with you. I think it hits the mark. So, um, NASCAR dropped the ball, and they're trying to fix it. When was the last time you seen this many guys be knocked out of races for concussions? When's the last time? Never. Never. Yeah. Few and far in between. Yep, never. When I was racing, a wise man told me, it's not the biggest crash that's going to get you, it's the smallest. And if you go and you watch the Kurt Busch incident, harmless, harmless crash. Alex Bowman's crash, harmless. Mm -hmm. But look how much the movement of the driver is taking inside the car. I mean, there's a lot of movement. It's they're They're almost getting a whiplash effect when they're backing into the wall. Yes. And I know I missed last week, and I'm going to hit on it real quick. There's a reason why Talladega wasn't as good as it usually is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And driver safety was one of them. Yep. No, you're right. You're absolutely right, man. It they they got to uh, do something before somebody gets killed. They yeah. have to. Yep. Yeah, it, was, um, it, it wasn't a good race, and the car has been a real problem with the safety. The drivers are concerned about it. You know, when Kyle Larson comes out of a, out of this meeting and says, yeah, we've looked at the data, it's better, but it's still not as good as the Gen 6 car. That's a problem, right? That's not progress. That's regression. And it doesn't help the fact that the car now is not even, we're not even getting the good racing. Like that's, that's the, that, that makes it even worse, right? It was one thing for this thing to, to, you know, to be like, oh man, these wrecks are hurting, right? At the beginning of the year, these guys are like, man, these hits are hard. They hurt more, but we didn't have people falling out with concussions and the racing was still pretty good. Now the racing sucks, right? At the short tracks and the road course is absolutely just horrible. And the drivers are, are getting hurt and they're, scared right not all of them right and i'm not saying they're 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 scared in the sense that like they're just not going to push it but it's in the back of their minds and that is something you never want to have in the back of your mind as a driver i've talked about this last week i know people know people who were race car drivers who lost their edge who had that bad accident and couldn't do it no more admitted to it was just I mean, like dude seeing, lost my edge couldn't do it we are seeing it happen now yep. in front of our eyes yep so, yeah, NASCAR, I I applaud them for wanting to, to work on this rear clip and make it better. Um, you know, I will give them credit for that. We'll have to see what happens. But to me, it's, remember, it's, it's been way too long. They should have been doing this months ago. Remember when they changed motorsports by saying we're going to be more safety aspect into it? And they did. Yes. Fuck they do it now. Exactly. Not giving a crap. That's what they're doing. Yep. So it's just, it's, it's frustrating. I can't imagine how frustrated the drivers are. I really can't. So, all right, next. This one, this one kind of hurts. So NASCAR's whole lower horsepower concept to attract new OEMs is obviously not working after Dodge confirmed they will not be coming to NASCAR in the near future. Hit, hit or miss, Keith. I think it hits the mark. Yes, I'm with you on that one as well. When when you have new OEMs wanting to come in, whether it's Dodge, Nissan, I think Honda was rumored at one point. You gotta you gotta get them. You gotta bring them back. Hell, I remember back in the day when you had Chevy, Ford, Dodge, Pontiac. 
Mm-hmm. We need to get back to that, I think. Yes. I'm but with you. We're going to put that over there with the safety. I don't, yeah. I really don't, I don't think they know what they're doing right now. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. Um, that's, that's kind of the frustrating thing. It doesn't seem like it. You know, the, the whole, I've never liked this low horsepower crap. I've never liked it. I've always thought it was stupid. I went off on this last week when I talked about the whole, you know, wanting to do this lower horsepower to make the cars right to attract more OEMs, make it more like the street cars. Well, here's the deal, folks. There ain't no, there ain't a lot of street cars rolling around at 670 horsepower. All right. And there ain't a lot of street cars that look like these NASCARs. Give me a freaking break. Yes. These cars look more like their street car counterparts than the previous generation. But my God, we stopped pretending these things were stock cars when they started the modern era. Give me a break. Right? Like these are freaking race cars. So let's have yeah. them be race cars, man. You, you like, know, it's a problem. You know, it's a problem when they can't even spin the back tires. No, they, that's the <laughs> thing, man. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, to me, I, I talked, I've always talked about this. My favorite generation was the, you know, if you look at it in terms of the generations, it was the, the third generation of the cup cars, the late eighties, early nineties. That was my favorite generation of the cars. Um, they were, they, you know, aerodynamics were starting to become a real thing, but they, it's not like, you know, we didn't have all this aero push crap and stuff like that. You had the old, you know, Ford Thunderbird and the Chevy Lumina and stuff like that. And the racing was so much better. It was, you know, it was just, the cars had a lot of horsepower, you had to drive the cars. You couldn't just go out there and mash the throttle. And it was just, it yeah, it was fun racing. And it, we just, we don't have that right now. The biggest issue that we're running into, in my opinion, with this car at the road courses and the short tracks is the cars are almost too good now, right? And if you go back to the beginning of the year when these, when drivers were struggling with these cars, me and Keith both said that that was a good thing, right? I, this is, if this is supposed to be the premier motorsport, right? The premier level in motorsports racing here in North America. Okay. Then it should be difficult. It shouldn't be simple, right? Not everybody should be able to get into the batter's box and hit a 98 mile per hour fastball. Guess what? They can't. It's the same thing with the cup car. Not everybody should be able to get in there and drive those things. And the more that these teams work on these cars and figure them out, the better they are getting, which means the easier it is for the drivers to drive them. And yes, they've had issues with the tires and stuff like that. But overall, these guys, they're all figuring these cars out and getting fast. And there's less and less room, right? Margin for error. You know, there's a couple of things that they could do that would make the racing so much better that wouldn't have to be drastic changes to the car. Yep. And and I think I try to figure a good way to word it. The racing so far has been really good. I will say that. Yes. But hindsight, the Xfinity races have been way better. 
Yes, I said it when the Xfinity when the when the current Xfinity car came out back in what was that 2017 2018. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, that should have been the Cup car. That was my initial yep. thought. I was like, that should have been the Cup car. They should take that car, give it 800 horsepower, and there you go. And and not to go back on the last subject, but hell, even then, put put these Cup guys in the Xfinity cars while we figure out these. Uh next gen cars yeah do something i I, it's just yeah it's it's so frustrating it's so frustrating it's laughable at this point yep so which leads us into our next topic after another boring race the the roval was horrible It, it was it was not good racing nascar needs to increase the horsepower and decrease the downforce even more when it comes to short tracks and road courses we're just talking about short tracks and road courses hit or miss the mark keith Oh, it, it, that hundred percent hits Mark. Yep. I'm with they've you. Got, they've got to do something to figure it out because at the beginning of the season, when we first talked about this car, we were like, man, these short track races are going to be fun to watch. The road courses are going to be fun to watch. And they haven't. No, they've been so boring, whether it's give them a thousand horsepower, like Evan Harvick's mentioned, or take the damn splitters and diffusers off. Yep. They've got to figure something out because, fortunately, we're going to go to Martinsville and it's going to be another snooze fest. Yeah. Because they they still didn't figure nothing out at the tire test that they did at Martinsville. I mean, nothing's going to change right now. That's that's the shitty part. Yeah. I remember the I remember in the sport, the car tomorrow, where they'd run. I think it was oh seven. They'd run the the car of tomorrow in certain races and then they'd run the gen gen five car i think it was yeah well that was yeah the the cot is how is how they that's how they brought in that car but (laughs) that's what they did and they should have done something like that with this car you know And, and, and they can make whatever excuse they want they can. They they blamed it on COVID happening and this, that, and the other. Well, your road course package sucks. Yeah. Your short track package sucks. And the unfortunate part is the Roval sucked. Yep. I think Martinsville is probably going to be the same Martinsville race we've seen earlier this year. You make a mistake, you downshift, you drive out of the mistake, and bam, nothing ever happened. Yep. So, yeah, it's just a uh, thousand horsepower, little to no downforce would be perfect at short tracks and road courses. Yeah. And I've heard the argument on the horsepower where it's like, hey, look, these cars were not designed to handle that much horsepower. You know, the motors, you know, they would have to change components. So I get that. And that's fine. OK, I, I understand it. That's fine. You can't crank them from 670 to, to 800, whatever. Fine. Then get rid of the downforce, right? At a track like Martinsville, downforce it doesn't matter. Figure out something with the gears. Figure out something with the shifting, right? You got all that technology on them cars. You're telling me you can't figure out a way to where it's like, hey, look, man, once you guys get to high gear, you ain't shifting no more, right? There's got to be a way you can figure something out with the yep. shifting or something as a way to fix the problem until you can dial in other stuff. In terms of all the other tracks, though, when you talk about a Bristol or a road course or even like a Dover, right, a New Hampshire, whatever, 
chop that rear spoiler off. You want to keep the diffuser because you'd rather have the under the underbody aerodynamics in terms of the overbody. I'm with you. The the underbody downforce is much better for passing and stuff like that because you don't get the turbulence. Fine, keep the diffuser. Get rid of the rear spoiler or chop that bitch down to two inches, right? Do something because right now what you've got on these short tracks and these uh, road courses is horrible. And keep in mind, that's why they built this car the way they did. That's what this, this car was supposed to shine at these tracks and it's been the mile and a half tracks where they have shined and the other ones, they've just been horrible. I, I don't know how else to put it. So yeah, I'm with you. They need to do something. So next one, this one came, this news came out, um, probably got lost in the shuffle for most people, but NASCAR has delayed their electric exhibition series okay that they were going to be doing next year it was an electric exhibition series that they were going to be running uh like six races or something like that and they have delayed it so the delaying of this exhibition series is a good thing for nascar keith hit or miss hits the mark they can't even get the new car right yet <laughs> but I, I think before they dive off into a Something they've never done before. Let's let's fix what we have now before we jump into this whole new car. Yes, I'm with you. I'm I'm I think it's a good thing that they that they canceled it because for now, like like you said, they've got uh, they've got bigger fish to fry. That being said, I do think it could have been an opportunity for them to start testing future theories. Now, once again, I talked about this last week, them going opposite direction, right? Why did they have to go full electric? Could they not have done hybrid? They've talked about implementing hybrid in NASCAR, which I'm fine with, right? We got hybrid in F1. I'm fine with that. But this could have been an opportunity for them to start testing some of those theories and looking at that, use that series as a way to kind of work the bugs and kinks out before you go putting it into the cup series and then being like, Oh crap, uh, we got some problems on our hands. So I'm with you. They've got bigger fish to fry right now, but I do think it was a potential opportunity if done correctly. Oh, I, Unfortunately, they probably weren't going to do it correctly though. So, and I completely agree with that. I do. Uh, I'm with you. I, I feel like, like you were just saying, it it's a good opportunity. Yep. But we're we're on the verge of killing some guys. So yeah, yeah, we gotta <laughs> gotta get some stuff figured out. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. All right, next one. So big news is uh, Tyler Reddick's contract was bought out. He is now going to be coming to twenty three eleven a year earlier. So Tyler Reddick will be with twenty three eleven next year, and this is a sign that Kurt Busch's chances of returning next year are now slim to none. Keith, does that hit or miss the mark? Unfortunately, I think it's going to hit the mark. Um, I mean, Kurt's missed since Pocono. That's a long time to still be feeling the effects of a concussion. Yes. Um. The unfortunate part is, is I still think Kurt has a lot left in the tank. I do too. Um, it just, it's very unfortunate that if he does truly end up retiring, like there's some indications that could be happening. It just, 
it's a shame. It's a shame that it's came this this way in him retiring this way. Yep, I'm with you. Um, but a hindsight fifty fifty, I also didn't think Richard Childress was gonna hand a uh, go out and rent a team for Tyler Reddick. No, when he when, said when that, Tyler I was Reddick, like, "That's bull." They're yeah. not gonna do. They're not gonna do a third team well, there for was, one year. There, there was rumors that they were gonna go rent the '78 team for next year for Tyler Reddick. But I mean, we've seen how the fallout of Kevin Harvick and RCR happened. Yeah, yeah. RC don't operate that way. No, nope, he doesn't. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. I don't think Kurt Busch is going to be returning, um, which I'm with you. I think it sucks. You know, when this happened, when he went out, I was hopeful that he was going to come back. Um, keep in mind, I was not, when Kurt Busch first came to NASCAR, I was not a Kurt Busch fan. One Me of my, either. yeah, I was not one of, I, I think one of the greatest moments in NASCAR history was Jimmy Spencer hitting him. I really do. Like, you know, when you hear that story and how Kurt yeah. Busch used to act and I, mean, obviously when you, those of you guys have been around long enough, remember how Kurt Busch was when he first came to NASCAR dude was a punk, but you know, over these last, you know, five, six years. Um, he really, really changed. Yeah, he's really changed. I would say probably ever since Stuart Haas. You know what I mean? I, like, would, I uh, would say yes to that. Either mm-hmm. either when he went to Stuart Haas or Fernie Turrell. Yeah. Really yeah. seen a different Kurt. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I'm I'm same way with you. I was never, I liked Kurt, but he had Kyle's attitude and nobody wants to bring that up. No. But Kurt really turned his whole maturity around yes he did did big time he became a a, a much different person because a likable the, guy yes because <laughs> the dude's always been able to drive and that that was the worst thing about it was is the guy was a punk but he was so damn good he was so fast man those first years when he came to roush dude in that 97 car oh my god i never hated sharpies so much in all my life dude because the guy was Sharpies so fast, man. Yeah, dude, like <laughs> so fast, man. But, you know, over these last few years, man, he's been a really good dude. He's been a great ambassador for the drivers, and he's still good. He's a good driver, and it was sad to see this happen. It reminded me when they announced that he wasn't going to be running the, the playoffs. It reminded me of Dale Earnhardt Jr. When yep. Jr. had his concussion, and it was like Jeff Gordon's going to be filling his role you know, for the next however many races it was, um, you know, when that happened, I remember thinking I was like, uh, I don't think Junior's coming back. And if he does, it's going to be like a fail, a farewell tour, you know, like that now, was kind of my thinking behind it. And I was I, afraid that we weren't going to see Kurt come back, man. And it looks like we're not going to. Yeah. And, and that's the unfortunate part, but I could see Kurt taking a different role with 2311. I could see that too. I definitely Whether could. Whether it be a driver coach to Bubba Wallace and Tyler. Yes. Or or maybe some sort of, I don't know, um, maybe an ambassador for, for all the drivers, like what Jeff Burton does. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. See, I, I, I think he's going to be done as a full time. Yes, I think he's done yeah. as a full time driver, but I don't, I don't see him leaving NASCAR. I see him being around. And um, you're right. You know, Denny Hamlin has said, "Look, Kurt Busch will have a job here and, even after he's done driving if he wants and, it." And, and not to mention, there, there's a booth spot open with Fox, and Kurt's done a lot of booth stuff with the Xfinity series, mm-hmm. so. There could be that too. Yeah. So they do have an announcement to make this weekend, um, you know, at Something Vegas. Something to pay attention to. Yep. So, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of speculation that that it's going to be Kurt Busch announcing, you know, his, his retirement from, from what I've heard, it will be his announcement from, from that he's going to be retiring from full time racing. You know, that could mean a lot of stuff. Who knows? Right. I remember when Mark Martin did that and then he came back and ran at Hendrick for two years. So, I mean, who knows, but caught a lot of fire. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, who knows, but yeah, I, I, I I think, I think our our man's done. So yeah, tough, tough break, but you know, good that Tyler Reddick has got himself a, uh, a seat now figured out for next year. Cause that was obviously, um, you know, up in the air, what was going to happen. And I got to say, Going into next year, I mean, a lot's going to depend on what they do to the car. But Tyler Reddick is already my one of my He's favorites. Favorite. Yes, for next year because the the guy can drive, man. So, all right, next one. Oh, this this is a big one. So, for those of you who did not watch the Roval, or maybe you only got through the first part of it and then shut it off because it was so boring. Uh, the end of the race, going down the back stretch, you had Cole Custer. Blocking essentially, Chase Briscoe was able to get by two cars. Okay, and they have penalized Cole Custer for this. So, hit or miss, NASCAR has showed massive inconsistencies for their penalty of Cole Custer for blocking and helping Chase Briscoe since they did not penalize Chase Elliott last year for doing the same thing. Hit or miss. Oh, it hits the mark. Um, you're going to do it to, to uh, Cole. Should have done it to Chase. Yes. And I've I've argued with a few people about this subject. Well, there's no evidence that Chase did it. Well, I mean, if you go back and you listen to the radioactive episode from Bristol of that season, he clearly got on the radio and said, where's the five? I'm going to help him. Now, hindsight 50-50. The hell do you think that means? Yeah, he's going to go block the four. Yeah. He's going to go run the four the same way the 41 did the three and the 42. Mm-hmm. No, we're, we're in, we're in racing. This is a, this is a team sport per se. Yep. Cole, Cole Custer didn't have anything to lose. Why not break a little sooner? Help yep. your teammate out. That's what he did. Yep. See it happen all the time. Yep. Now, Here's where it gets interesting. Now, did now you the radio hear, traffic from yes, the 41 is a little suspect. The radio so. traffic in the, and that's where and that's where NASCAR that's what NASCAR said. So NASCAR has actually it. come out, yes, yeah, since they said, <laughs> "Hey, look, Custer's penalty was premeditated." This is what they said. His was premeditated because if you listen to the the spotter, he's saying, "Hey, tire down. You got to tire down. You got to tire down." 
check up, check up, check up. He slows way up and then coming out after he gets past and, and basically does his job coming out of the corner. He said, the spotters then saying, all right, pick it up, pick it up. It's just a rub. It's like, essentially they're saying, Hey, look, he was just telling him that to get him to slow up. That was premeditated. Let go by. Yeah. Let yeah. Briscoe go by. So it was premeditated. Now and- here's the thing though. And this is really important. All right. Because that has nothing to do with it in terms of the penalty. At least it shouldn't, right? When we look at what Custer did and what Chase Elliott did. Because if you look at the NASCAR rules, right? Their penalty code, okay? It says NASCAR requires its competitors to race at 100% of their ability to achieve the best possible finish in the race event. Any competitor who takes action with the intent to artificially alter the finishing positions of the event will be subject to penalty. Now, when they defined 100% of their ability, NASCAR does put at the end of that NASCAR's sole discretion, meaning that they can kind of choose like, hey, we can kind of decide if we think, you know, either or. But according to their own rules, Chase Elliott broke the same rule that Cole Custer did. Doesn't matter if it was premeditated. They did the same thing. And and what I think what makes it worse is Chase Elliott took a win away. Yes. Cole Cole Custer, I'm not going to say he altered the finish to an extent, because I think Chase Briscoe is going to throw it in there either way. Yes, and that was uh, another argument that NASCAR used at the time. He was tied, I believe, with Kyle Larson and held the tiebreaker or something along. Like they were saying, he was going to be getting in anyways. He was already in a position to get in. But I mean, you can't really guarantee that. Because no, what you if, can't. What if Chase goes into that dog leg there and then gets turned mm-hmm. like he did before? Then yep. what? So yeah, you're, you're in the same situation. So I don't agree with the penalty at all. No, I mean only only because it's not black and white anymore. No, I'm so lost on what the hell they're doing because, I mean, you want to talk about altering a finish? What Chase Elliott did that altered a finish. Oh, absolutely. Ford was going to lock himself into the playoffs with a win, and yep. he didn't. And yep. This is why I don't like Chase Elliott and or his fans because they're, I don't know. I'm going to stop there. (laughs) So, yep, I'm with you. Um, it, uh, the, the inconsistency we've talked about it before. It's so just frustrating. I don't know how else to put it. It's just frustrating. And the fact that we had so many issues happen this weekend at the Roval that, had huge implications, huge implications. You know, it's just, uh, it's just mind boggling. It really is. Now our last one we got to cover, which is another penalty issue. And another mind boggling one involves William Byron. So William Byron's penalty, if you remember, he got penalized for his actions with Denny Hamlin at, what was that? Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Texas. And they appealed it. And essentially what they did was they increased his fine to $100,000 and gave him back the points that they had deducted. So he hit or miss the appeals, the appeal of William Byron's 
penalty, giving back his points, altered the final eight of the playoffs. Hit or miss. It definitely hits the mark because you you had playoff guys going to Talladega and race that race completely different. Uh, two yes. Days, and then two days later, oh, hey, we're going to give Willie B his, his points back. And now Chase Briscoe goes from being in to being out. Mm-hmm. And yep. Chase even came out and was like, I had to race Talladega completely different, thinking that we were going to be out or thinking that we were in and we wanted to be there at the end of the race. And then bam, hey, we're going to give you your points back. I think it's so dumb. Yep. And this is where we're talking about it. Nothing's black and white no more. Nope. Now, I now NASCAR after that, and first of all, I think it hits the mark. Um, but after that happened, and, and also you should know NASCAR does not actually handle the appeal that goes through like a third party. Um, my problem, I have two problems. Problem number one is is if you're gonna have this situation and the appeal go through, and you know, if you have your appeals process, it goes through and it gives William Byron his points back. That's fine. But that being said, this has to be done much, much quicker. You cannot have a race take place in the playoffs without this being done, right? Like we talked about Talladega happened. And then a couple of days later, they reverse the points. You can't do that. This this wow. had to have been taken care of before Talladega. If it can't be taken care of before that, then you know what? It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be changed because that has just too much implication to it. William Byron being in 25 points, let me tell you right now, that is well worth $100,000 to that team. Well worth $100,000. They would have paid $200,000 no 25 points back because it's worth so much more money. So, you've got to get that done quicker. And like you said, you've got to have the wording on this better. Now, NASCAR did come out. They did change the wording from my understanding of what I could see on the news aspect of this. It sounded like it was kind of a technicality, which Byron was able to get his points back on in terms of you know what he did and how they presented it. And NASCAR did come out and kind of reword things with that rule because of that incident. So I give them credit on that. But it's just one more problem, like we said, with all the inconsistent stuff that's happened. It's just maddening, and I don't know how else to put it. So yeah, it yeah, it, it, it just frustrating, really frustrating. So so yeah, we'll see what happens. And look, yeah, we've covered all that. We didn't even have a chance to to talk. I mean, because we've we've gotten so much, we've covered so much. We didn't have a chance to talk about the stupid sign falling on the track, the damn oh caution that screwed God. up the race. You know what I mean? Like it's just. Like, really? This is how we're ending it? Really? You know, I... I, I just, yeah. I Oh, my God. And look, hats off to Christopher Bell. I said last in last week's show that I thought Christopher Bell had a shot to win the race and get himself into the eight. He did. The, the opportunity was there. He took it, and it worked. So hats off to him. But that should have never have happened. You know, it just should have never have happened for that to be, you know, oh my God, it's so frustrating. I mean, you know, I, to have a sign fall like, it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. It's just Bush League, man. It really is. So yeah, very frustrating. But anyways, moving on. So we are going to 
pick our final four. So who we think is going to make the final four going into the last race at Phoenix. Now, for those of you who don't know, maybe you haven't been paying attention as of right now, your eight in order. We have Chase Elliott first, Joey Logano second, Ross Chastain third, Christopher Bell fourth, Ryan Blaney fifth, William Byron sixth, Denny Hamlin seventh, and Chase Briscoe eighth. So Keith, who is your prediction for the final four? Well, uh, I think, of course, Chase is going to make it. I think he's going to make it pretty easily. Um, so I'm going to go Chase, Joey Logano, Christopher Bell. And I think this guy will sneak his way in under the radar. I think Chase Briscoe makes it. Okay. I'm so going to use him as a dark horse. You've got Chase, Chase, Logano, and Bell. Yep. All right. I, I think Bell wins the championship. And you think Bell wins the championship, huh? Yep. Okay. Strong well, right now. We're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna pick our championship winner when we when we get to the final four. And speaking of which, I'm I'm working on it right now. I gotta figure out a couple of things, but if we can, if we can do it, I think we're gonna do a watch party for the championship race. So we're gonna actually stream it live on YouTube. We'll watch the last race um live. So that's something I'm working on right now. I don't know if we'll get a chance to do it, but stay tuned for that because we, we might build it if I can if I can swing it. So, anyways, final four for me. Um, I'm gonna go a little bit different different route here. Um, so I did I worked on my my power ratings and you know looked at some stuff. Um, for me, number one, I'm gonna go Ross Chastain. Um, two of the three races are at mile and a half tracks. Ross Chastain has earned more points at the mile and a half this year than any other driver. Uh, he had a phenomenal run at Vegas and I think, you know, he could have another good, uh, you know, have a good run at Homestead. Um, obviously we don't have any precedence for him at Homestead, um, in this car. We don't have a precedence for anybody in this car, but you know, Comparing where he, what he's done at Homestead before with a different team, I don't, you know, it's kind of hard to do because obviously track house is very different than, you know, teams that he'd been on in prior years. So, uh, I, I like Chastain to make the final four. I think he's going to do it. Um, I also think Denny Hamlin's going to make it. And I got to admit, it's really a sentimental pick. I really want to see Denny win the championship this year. I just want to see Hamlin win a championship. I do. Um, I, I struggled with this one, man. I'm going to pick Chase Elliott, but I got to be honest with you. I am not confident about Chase Elliott. The only reason I'm going to pick him is because he's got a 31 point buffer right now. But if you look at how he's done at these mile and a halves recently, it hasn't been great he it's been kind of spotty he's either really strong or really off so obviously they've been doing much better recently i mean they've been on fire but yeah i am con- i am concerned about that because i don't know what kind of run he's going to have at you know vegas or homestead you know what concerns me is 
is going in to Martinsville. Um, you know, if 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 any of these guys have you know, a bad race and then just a so-so race, essentially they're going to be screwed, right? Because Martinsville, we saw it, that passing there is going to be very, very difficult. Like you're going to have to just be moving people out the way if you start, you know, mid-pack or, or back. So I'm, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this how it really shakes out. So I mean, uh, I've got Ross, I've got Chase, Danny. My fourth pick, I'm going to go Ryan Blaney. I think I like Blaney it. is going to make it. I think Blaney is going to. I think he's going to get a win. Um, what I my 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 first. My ideal situation is Denny Hamlin to win the championship. My second is Blaney to make the final four without a win and then win the last race for the championship. <laughs> that would be my number two. So if I could have a magic wand and pick one, it would be one of those two scenarios. So, so yeah, those are my four. Um, I've been, I've been really impressed with, uh, with Ross. I think Ross is a legit, contender for the championship i i really do i'm with you i think bell is too i had a hard time not picking him i agree with the ross i just so hard to tell what's gonna happen between him and denny because i'm sure denny has not forgotten no don't give a fuck door no (laughs) he hasn't but you know what that's one of the reasons why i do like ross so much right now is because denny's still in it I think it'd be a different story if yeah. Denny wasn't it. Now here's the deal: both those guys make the final four. Uh, you know the one ain't gonna win. Yeah, or yeah, it could yeah. Be a go, go Someone, either way. <laughs> someone's getting dumped. You know what I mean? So, uh, to me, I'm with you. You know that does that does open up the possibilities. Now, if we get to like a Martinsville and Denny, you know what I mean? Like he's got no shot at making it in. That is, I could absolutely see him ruining the one car's day. But I've been really impressed with with Ross, man. Uh, he's had a and, really and I good have year. Two, yeah. Um, I struggled picking him just because over the last course of five or six races, it's almost like he he changes the way he was driving from before. Mm-hmm. But I, I really think Ross gets back onto the the Ross don't give a fuck door. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think he has to in order to make the final four. I wouldn't be surprised if he does make it. Yeah. I wouldn't I, be surprised if he misses it. Actually, any of the top eight. Yeah, I'm with none you. None of them would surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise me neither. There, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, I, I, might, I might be a little surprised if not make the final four, but win the championship. I'd be a little surprised if, Chase Briscoe won the championship just because of the other drivers in there. Nothing, not nothing against him. It's just compared to the other drivers in there. I yeah. would be, be, you know, it seemed and, like more that, that they would win it, but no, you're I right. Won, the top eight wouldn't, no, no one's going to really surprise I, me. I kind of wanted to go different because nobody's going to pick Chase Briscoe. No, no one's picking him. But I feel like Chase is going to fly under the radar. Like he has majority of the year. Yeah. He don't have the top fives or top tens in his pocket like everybody else, but he has recently at the mile and a half has consistently been towards the front and he's got 
Kevin Harvick in his back pocket mm-hmm. to to help get him where he needs to go. And and I feel like if if Briscoe gets to the final four, he might be the one to beat at Phoenix. We've seen what he did here last time. Yep. No, he does do well there. And, you know, one thing that he does have going for him, which obviously when there's only three races, um, you know, to decide the final four, it's important that you finish. And, yeah. you know, and out of the drivers in the top eight, you know, there's only two of them that have got three or less DNFs. And Ryan one of them is Chase Briscoe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Ryan Blaney and Chase Briscoe. So, you know, finishing races, consistency matters. And he has I, been, you know, a consistent finisher. Yeah, like you said, he might not have the top fives and top tens of these other guys, but he has been a consistent finisher when it comes to, you know, those yeah. top 15s. And and I just, I feel like he's got two big secret weapons in his back pocket, one being Harvick and the other one being Tony Stewart after Tony Stewart's comments about finding something else to do on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't buy into that because Briscoe being in the playoffs still, yep. I wouldn't buy too much, look too much into it. Um, will it be hard for chase to make it? Yeah. But I, I, I like the underdog story and he's the underdog in the top eight. Yeah, absolutely. He is. But he like is. I said before, it wouldn't surprise me if any of these guys made it or missed it. No, there's there. I'm, I, I don't know. Yep. Still ain't a clear favorite. No, there's not. Um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I, I, you know, despite all the issues that we've had with the car, um, I am excited and looking forward to it. Uh, especially just for the fact that, you know, the car has raced pretty good at these last you know, at these types of tracks, these mile and a half tracks, it's actually been pretty good. Martinsville, obviously not so much, um, but you know, Vegas was a good race this year. Um, I expect Homestead to be a pretty good race just because, you know, it's a different mile and a half, but that's a, that track is unique with the progressive banking. It's also a pretty slick track, you know, like you've, you've got to really, those corners are, are tight. You got to really work the throttle and, you know, even, handful of toe linkages get broke. Yeah, exactly. You know, and even Phoenix, you know what I mean? Obviously it's, it's a one mile track, and, but it's, it's, it races decent. And here's what makes me nervous about the chase Elliott pick. And he's not my favorite to win the championship just because they've been very inconsistent over the last five, six races, whether it be the nine or the five, mm-hmm. if the nine is struggling, the fives doing okay. Uh, but if 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 the nine's struggling, it's almost like the whole Hendrick organization's struggling. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, he's definitely been the, you know, the the banner carrier for the for the organization this, really this season. Has. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. It'll be it'll definitely be interesting. So. Anyways, that's going to do it all for today's show, you guys. Um, I will be back next week. Like we said, Keith will not be here. and He's going to be having a, having a baby. But I will be back next week with another episode of Three Wide in the Middle. So please do us a favor. Download, subscribe, share it. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you can find podcasts or get your podcast. So Keith, my man, have a good weekend. 
Thank you. You too. I will. Everybody out there, enjoy the races, and we'll be back next Thursday. And until then, as always, take care.